Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. The first attempt at snatching and ransoming Abraham Lincoln's body was in 1876 by a gang called the Logan County Boys. It didn't work out, as you'll see, but it wasn't the only attempt at snatching Lincoln's remains. Welcome to Criminalia. I'm Maria Tremarchi. And I'm Holly Fry. The Logan County Boys, led by crime boss James Big Jim Canale, planned to, quote, steal old Lincoln's bones. Or at least so one of the men told a woman that he had met in the town shortly before their caper. He even told her the details, like exactly when they planned to do it. That woman reported the information to the authorities, who then warned the tomb's custodian, that was a man named John Carroll Power. Power reported it to the Lincoln Monument Association, the local group who oversaw the tomb. But nothing was done about it, and when the gang sobered up and realized what they had admitted to, they fled the scene. John Carroll Power went on to write a book about the attempted crime, and in it says, quote, 
it seemed to the authorities so incredible that no attention was given to it. Power continued, quote, Whiskey alone is entitled to the credit of having thwarted this well-laid scheme. There is an alternate version of that story. There's actually two alternates. The second version involved a counterfeiter named Thomas Sharp and his gang, instead of the Logan County boys. In preparation, Sharp's men moved to Springfield, Illinois, where they opened a dance hall and a saloon. Unfortunately for the men, though, this part of the story remains the same. Sharp bragged about their plans to a woman, Belle Bruce, who in turn informed the police. With their scheme compromised, Sharp and his men had no other choice but to abort the plan and return home. The third version here, it's, it's basically the same exact premise, but the gang was Ben Sheridan and four of his men. Canali would need a new plan to spring his man, Benjamin Boyd, from prison. Wait, who? You may be wondering. That's right. This plan wasn't really about ransoming a presidential corpse. That was just a means to an end. Canali was the leader of one of the nation's largest counterfeiting rings, and Benjamin Boyd was his engraver. He needed to spring Boyd from behind bars. So, Canali hatched a second scheme, another attempt at stealing Lincoln's corpse. And it went like this. A new team would steal the coffin from the tomb and haul it by wagon 200 miles north to the Indiana Dunes. That's where they'd hold it until the state of Illinois paid a ransom of $200,000 in cash to get it back. And the gang got a full pardon for Boyd. But Canali's mistake here in his second round was who he allowed to have a role in the caper. So let's take a look at the players. First, of course, there's a man at the top, James Canali. Big Jim Canali was, as we said, a crime boss who led a successful Midwestern counterfeiting racket. He also was co-owner of a drinking establishment called The Hub, which was located at 294 West Madison Street in Chicago. It was well-known and friendly to counterfeiters, and it is featured in this story. Canali was a man once described by a local reporter as, quote, a born crook. He may have been a wholesaler of counterfeit bills during the time of the Lincoln caper, but Canali had spent time in prison. He had served a five-year sentence in the Illinois State Penitentiary at Joliet for passing a bogus $50 bill in Peoria. And then... These are his men for the new and improved Lincoln job. One, Benjamin Boyd was the man with the plates. He was an engraver, and he was, at the time of this story, serving a sentence at the state penitentiary in Joliet. He is ultimately the reason for this crime, so he is on this list. Two, Terrence Mullen was a counterfeiter, bartender, and co-owner of The Hub with James Canale. Three, Jack Hughes was a counterfeiter and a close friend of Terrence Mullen. Four, Louis Sweagles was a small-time thief, possibly from Wisconsin. He is the wild card here in this group. One important fact unknown to the Canale gang is that Louis was an informant, or what was known as a roper, to the Chicago Secret Service. I'm also going to note here that a friend of Sweagles, a man named Bill Brown, also known as Bill Neely, is mentioned in some, but definitely not all, accounts of this story as a wagon driver. He, like Sweagles, is also mentioned as with the Secret Service and pretending to be on Canale's team. Bill is a man who may or may not have been present at this caper. And five. 
Patrick Tyrell was head of the Secret Service Bureau in Chicago. Tyrell was the agent who had chased Benjamin Boyd for more than eight months through five states before he caught him in the small Mississippi River town of Fulton, Illinois. Tyrell, at the time of this story, was running Sweagles as an informant. Let's clear up any confusion about why U.S. Secret Service agent Patrick Tyrell would be pursuing a bunch of counterfeiters. It's as simple as this. The role of the Secret Service wasn't the same when it was created in 1865 as it is today, and since the assassination attempt of President McKinley in 1901, the group is tasked with the full-time protection of the President of the United States. But 157 years ago, they were created as a bureau in the Treasury Department and tasked with suppressing widespread counterfeiting, which was a huge problem throughout the country at the time. Nearly one-third of all U.S. currency in circulation at the end of the Civil War was counterfeit. That's an estimate that we've seen rise up to nearly one-half in some accounts. The Secret Service Division's goal was to stabilize the country's financial system. In 1867, the Secret Service's responsibilities grew to include some new things. Here's what it looked like according to their website. Detecting persons perpetrating frauds against the government. This appropriation resulted in investigations into the Ku Klux Klan, non-conforming distillers, smugglers, mail robbers, land frauds, and a number of other infractions against federal laws. The Canali Gang was a group of counterfeiters operating out of the Midwest, and they were doing well for themselves until their expert bill engraver, moneymaker Benjamin Boyd, was arrested and jailed. It's said Boyd may have been the best in the country, and that much of the counterfeit currency around the country could be traced back to him. Until, that is, when he was captured in Fulton in 1875. He was convicted on charges of forging a $50 bill, it's reported, and sentenced to 10 years at Juliet. Making counterfeit money meant your currency had to look identical, exactly like the real currency. One of Boyd's $5 plates was so perfect that more than 300,000 bills were known to have been printed from it and passed without mishap by their one gang alone. The U.S. Treasury finally paid him its ultimate tribute. The department recalled its genuine fives from circulation. Without Boyd and his talent with those plates, the criminals were suddenly out of business. Boyd was the one with the skills, and the way they saw it, ransoming Lincoln's body was the only way now to get Boyd out of prison and then get back to business. I do have to wonder why they were like, this is the only possible <laughs> avenue. <laughs> it, it's got to involve Lincoln, period. Like, the end. <laughs> We are going to take a moment for a word from our sponsor. And when we're back, we will talk about which cemetery Abraham Lincoln is buried in and why. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey, everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. 
And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day-to-day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low-key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their brilliant eye brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie. And it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash criminalia. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash criminalia for 10% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Listen, you listen to true crime podcasts. You know that the world can be dangerous and unpredictable and that there will unfortunately be people who want to hurt each other. And so it's kind of nice to get a little peace of mind by having a good home security system. Just take a few precautions. And I recommend looking at Simply Safe Home Security. I've had my home broken into in the past, and it was a terrible feeling, even though nothing that bad really happened. Aside from an intruder, I just really like knowing that I have a security setup that lets me check in on my pets when I'm not home. That is a huge peace of mind giver when I am out traveling. Simply Safe sent me a whole home security system, and I was really, really impressed by the variety of indoor and outdoor cameras they offer. And the whole thing is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash criminalia. That's simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E. Dot com slash criminalia. There's no safe like Simply Safe. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome back to Criminalia. Louis Swiggles is, quote, the boss body snatcher in Chicago. We'll see about that. Shortly after 10 p.m. on April 14, 1865, while attending a performance of the play Our American Cousin at Ford's Theater in Washington, D.C., President Abraham Lincoln was shot by John Wilkes Booth. He died at 7.22 a.m. on April 15, 1865, and it's estimated his body has moved as many as 17 times since its original burial. 
After his assassination, it was debated where the president's body would be buried. The town leaders of Springfield, Illinois, saw the potential of this tomb for their local economy, and they argued that he should be buried within the limits of the city that he had called home. But Mary Todd Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's wife, wanted his body to be interred at Oak Ridge Cemetery, just north of Springfield. And according to records, that was what he had wanted, and the Oak Ridge Cemetery was selected. Oak Ridge was located about two miles outside of town, and it didn't have the kind of security you might imagine a presidential grave might be given. For instance, there was no night watchman to patrol the area that was going to house the president's tomb. At first, the remains of both Abraham and his son Willie, who had died of typhoid fever at age 11 during his father's presidency, were placed in the public receiving vault from May until mid-December of 1865, while the final tomb was being constructed. From December 1865 through September of 1871, the remains of the president and two of his sons, Willie and also Eddie, who had died of pulmonary tuberculosis at age four, were moved into a temporary above-ground tomb constructed on the northeast side of the hill at Oak Ridge. Over the years, his tomb has undergone several transformations. Lincoln's body was long considered at high risk from grave robbers. Which brings us back to Canale's gang. The men converged on Chicago, and it was at the hub where they worked out their plan. Terrence Mullen was in. He and Canale were close partners. Jack Hughes, too, was in. Hughes was excellent, not at making phony money, but at passing phony bills. He's described as an honest-looking man, always well-dressed and with a respectable beard. His days were spent going from store to store, making one small purchase at each, and paying with a crisp, new counterfeit bill. In September of 1874 in Washington Heights, Illinois, Hughes was arrested by Secret Service agents, and he was indicted for passing five counterfeit bills. Hughes had jumped bail, though, and was being sought by what seemed to be every policeman in Chicago when he joined the plot to kidnap Abraham Lincoln's corpse and free Benjamin Boyd. But Canelli needed more hands, reliable, strong men to pull off this heist. So the guys approached a man named Louis Swiegels, a small-time crook and sometimes horse thief who had become a frequent customer of the pub. Involving Louis Swiegels was the beginning of the end, really, of this plan. Remember, Louis was a federal informant whose job it was to report back on any of the gang's criminal activities. So, well... Let's just keep going. During his confab with the group, when Mullen asked what Swiegel's occupation was, he replied, quote, I'm the boss body snatcher of Chicago. That might be a strange statement to make in a job interview today, but in the late 1800s, it might not have been so much the oddity and certainly not among thieves. Stealing and supplying corpses was, of course, a big business for those who were getting paid by medical schools to supply fresh cadavers. But there were no laws to punish body snatchers, at least not in most of the state. Anyway, these guys were snatching a body, and if you didn't have any body snatching experience, wouldn't you want the boss body snatcher of Chicago on your team? Of course you would. He made the cut. 
As the counterfeiters created their plan, Lewis shared every detail with the Secret Service's Patrick Tyrell. Tyrell, in turn, told Lincoln's only surviving son, Robert, a Chicago attorney, but asked that Robert let the plot move forward so he could catch the kidnappers in the act. Catching them in the act would likely increase the chance of conviction, so Robert agreed. On November 6, 1876, Mullen, Hughes, and Sweagles caught a train from Chicago to Springfield. Canale did not join them. Little did they know, though, that they were being tailed. Tyrell was in the rear passenger car with two hired operatives from the Pinkerton National Detective Agency in Chicago. Those were men named John C. McGinn and George Hay. During the afternoon, two additional men were also brought in, Detectives John McDonald and John English. The gang was also being tailed by a Chicago Daily Tribune reporter. The next night, on the 7th, Mullen and the gang made their attempt. Things didn't go exactly as planned, or really, they didn't go very well at all. In fact, things have been described as having gone poorly for both the cops and the robbers. It was election night. The presidential contest between Republican Rutherford B. Hayes and Democrat Samuel Tilden was heated, and it was a pretty good assumption that most Springfield residents would be downtown celebrating and waiting for results to come in. They certainly would not be anywhere near Oak Ridge Cemetery. So to keep the attempted heist all together, we are going to take a moment for a word from our sponsor here. And when we're back, we'll talk about how Canale's gang not only did not have the skills for burglary, they didn't even bring the right tools for the job. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This summer, click into Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot and get after those outdoor projects with some serious cordless power from RYOBI. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the RYOBI 40-volt battery-powered mower. Leaves and debris are no match for the 40-volt power of the RYOBI leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Tidy up those flower beds and keep your walkways looking sharp with RYOBI's 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Yard work, done and done. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. Shop now at The Home Depot or homedepot.com. How doers get more done. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome back to Criminalia. So, did the Canale counterfeiters get Benjamin Boyd out of prison? Let's find out. We mentioned earlier how Oak Ridge Cemetery was a bit lacking in security measures. To enter the tomb, the gang would only have to break a padlock to reach Lincoln's white marble sarcophagus. According to Thomas Crawwell, author of Stealing Lincoln's Body, quote, there was no night watchman, and the custodian of the tomb lived in Springfield, two, three miles away. The only security, if you call it that, was a single padlock. Sweagles later said, as reported in the Illinois State Journal on November 20, 1876, that while Mullen's gang were capable counterfeiters, they did not have the skills for burglary, especially when it came to bringing the right tools. Tyrell. His agents, plus the Pinkerton detectives, arrived at the tomb before Canale's gang, hid, and waited for the counterfeiters to show up. When Mullen and his men did show, they quietly sneaked up to the monument, but immediately, their problems began. Mullen brought along a carpet bag containing, quote, a can of blasting powder and a fathom of fuse, a hammer, steel punch drills, a steel saw, a file, and other various small tools. They needed to saw the metal padlock off the door to the catacomb, but the saw they'd brought with them was flimsy. In fact, it was so flimsy it broke in the process. Not a bunch to run away and regroup. Instead, they used a three-sided metal file. And it worked, but it took them half an hour just to get the one lock off. Once they were inside, they used a crowbar to open the sarcophagus lid. But then the problems just kept coming. The inner lid was secured by several copper dowels, which they removed. They balanced it crosswise across the foot of the sarcophagus, removed the piece at its head, and then slid Lincoln's cedar-covered lead coffin part of the way out. But they were only able to pull it out about a foot. Lincoln's 500-pound coffin was simply too heavy for them to move. Mullen sent Sweagles to find another pair of hands, and that is the moment when the informant signaled to Tyrell that it was time to start their raid. Why did it take so long to tip off Tyrell and his men? The signal from Sweagles was the lighting of a cigar, but that required Lewis to go outside, and he hadn't had a chance because he'd been tasked with holding a lantern while Mullen and Hughes worked. But finally, he had his chance. 
The agents sprung from their hiding places and dashed to the scene of Mullen's men. In their excitement, one agent accidentally fired his weapon. Startled by the gunfire, the kidnappers fled. When the agents got to the sarcophagus, all that was left on the scene were the crowbar, a broken saw, and a few other scattered tools. Not to be deterred by their own error, the Secret Service agents and Pinkerton detectives fanned out in an effort to catch Mullen and his men. Tyrell, it's reported, took to the tomb's roof, where he spied a couple of men down below. Without any verification, he shot at them, and they returned fire. And when Tyrell called for backup, one of the men on the ground called out, quote, Tyrell, is that you? That's right. Tyrell and the authorities were shooting at each other and their own people. Tyrell reported to Secret Service headquarters that it was, quote, one of the most unfortunate nights I have ever experienced, yet God protected us in doing right. While Tyrell was busy swallowing his pride on that last act at Lincoln's tomb, Mullen and Hughes made their way back to the hub. It took a few days, but Tyrell finally arrested them, also at the hub. Grave robbing and body snatching laws were, like we said, barely in existence, if at all. Because that wasn't a crime, nor were they facing any specific counterfeiting charges from the attempted theft, Mullen and Hughes faced charges of petty theft, which would have been for trying to steal Lincoln's coffin, which had cost, reportedly, at most $75. The two men were tried the following May, and both were convicted. Hughes and Mullen were sentenced to Joliet Penitentiary for, quote, one year each, one day of which is to be in solitary confinement and the balance at hard labor. Prison records do show that each served his full sentence, after which Hughes disappeared without a trace. They were, if you didn't recognize it, sent to the same prison from which they had been trying to spring their engraver, Benjamin Boyd. When the first reports of the attempted body snatching were published, many people, including other detectives and other newspaper editors, thought the whole thing was a hoax. Quote, in some cities, the Lincoln break-in didn't get any coverage. That is according again to Thomas Crawwell. And he continued, quote, in some cases, newspapers printed the story, but they told their readers it wasn't true. But once it was verified, it was blamed on a whole lot of people none of whom were James Canale, Terrence Mullen, or Jack Hughes. Some people blamed the Democrats, while others pointed fingers at the former Confederates. In Illinois, rumors in Chicago suggested that it was a plan by one of the detectives to help him win election for chief of police. A few days after Mullen and his men attempted their theft and ransoming, Lincoln's coffin was moved to the tomb's earthen-floored basement for safety, hidden in an unmarked grave. On September 26, 1901, he was permanently buried, at Robert's request, 10 feet beneath the catacomb in an enclosure of concrete and steel. Today, the Lincoln Tomb State Historic Site is the final resting place of Abraham Lincoln, his wife Mary, and three of their four sons, Edward, William, and Thomas, who was known as Tad. Their eldest son, Robert, died in 1926 at age 82, and he is buried at Arlington National Cemetery. In 1960, the Lincoln Tomb was designated a National Historic Landmark, and it was placed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1966. Today, it is operated by the Illinois Historic Preservation Agency. 
The president's remains are in a concrete vault, still 10 feet below the marble floor of the burial chamber, just as Robert had requested back in 1901. Crypts in the chamber's south wall hold the remains of Abraham's wife, Mary, and sons Edward, Willie, and Tad. Tad, the Lincoln's youngest son, died of heart failure in July of 1871 at the age of 18, and it's actually his remains that were the first to be interred in what is today's presidential tomb. The remains of his father and his two brothers joined him on September 19, 1871. Mary was laid to rest there in July of 1882, just a few days after her death. I liked that when I was uh, learning about this story, it's often described as being one that has been forgotten in history. That Lincoln went on tour for about two weeks after he'd been assassinated, and no one then ever talks about the fact that his afterlife was not secure. He, he only had a padlock. <laughs> I didn't know that. One thing we do not talk about in this episode, my dear, is any sort of embalming fluid. So I was wondering if perhaps we might step into your area here and have a nice cold glass. Yes, come. Have some embalming fluid. I bet... Anyone who knows my mind even marginally can guess what the most inspirational two words of this episode were. (laughs) And feel free to tag that on Twitter. (laughs) That is non-conforming distiller. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So every single time I had to read that, I was always like, I want to dive deeply into exactly what that means, but I also don't want to know at all. All I want my assumption of what that means. We're going to talk a little about a possibility, yeah. which is moonshine, because that's, of course, what I thought of. And moonshine is a fascinating thing and has a really fascinating history. It started to be made in the U.S. in the late 18th century because of the 1791 whiskey tax. There was a whole whiskey rebellion associated with that, but that is a very different and much bigger story. But the thing is, today, right, you can buy moonshine at liquor stores in beautiful packaging in a variety of tempting and delicious flavors. And you might be like, wait, is this really made in a still in the forest at night? Probably not. (laughs) That is, of course, where moonshine gets its name, is that people were doing it in the dead of night, out in the woods, often under the light of the moon. But some of the problem with labeling something as moonshine or not is that you can kind of label a lot of things moonshine because the definition of moonshine is really flexible. It's not like other spirits where there are very specific guidelines. It can be made with any fermentable starter, and it is now considered by a lot of people to be a craft spirit. A lot of people are really starting their own moonshine distilleries and making some very interesting stuff. But It's a really good neutral spirit, and it mixes with a lot of stuff. I will tell you, I love nothing more in the autumn than getting my pumpkin moonshine and using it in everything. But today, we're just going with your standard moonshine. If you really wanted to go with a flavor, I would say pick apple here. But here we go. This is just called non-conforming distiller. And it is a very simple recipe and really great if you, like us, are in the Northern Hemisphere, headed into those hot months. This might be one that you'll want to drink a lot of. It is an ounce and a half of moonshine, three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice, three quarters of an ounce of hibiscus syrup. And you're going to shake that in a shaker with ice. 
pour it over fresh ice, strain it out of that ice you used, and then you will top it, not with bubbles, but with four ounces of unsweetened apple juice. And it takes on this fun sort of apple hibiscus flavor. It's very refreshing. It has a surprisingly soft flavor. It's not too bitey because of the, the hibiscus flavor and the lemon really take any bite off the moonshine. It's quite lovely. And you can drink a lot of it without realizing it and don't. <laughs> if you are really a bubbles person, like I love bubbly drinks more than f- still drinks. So I would normally put maybe just a little a little splash of lemon-lime soda on top, or even a ginger ale if you want more in that flavor range. That would be great for as we head in the latter half of summer towards autumn. But um, the easiest thing on earth, if you want to make the mocktail version, just leave the moonshine out because the lemon and hibiscus and apple juice is just great on its own and makes a very beautiful, pretty colored, yummy, yummy drink. So That is the non-conforming distiller, a little tiptoe into moonshine country. Although, please buy your moonshine from a liquor store where it is actually like, it may not be regulated regarding what can be called it, but it's a little bit safer than something you might get out of a roadside stand from a forest still. So yes, please buy your moonshine from uh, a reputable (laughs) liquor store. That's just for safety. It's for your safety. We hope that you have made this through unscathed and that you don't get arrested for any foolish crimes like stealing a president's body. And we hope that you've enjoyed this time. We certainly thank you for spending it with us. And we will see you right back here next week with another tale of body snatching. Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.